greetings, beloved in Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> greetings, beloved in Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> the psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? <coughs> and we are here to receive from his throne. Amen. <coughs> Let me just start with maybe giving a, a bit of, should I say my personal testimony? Not really. It's almost like how we usually grow up and where we are today. And I can only see the grace of God. Amen. I think each one of you, if we had given you a chance to talk, some of you should not have been alive by now. You should have been dead already. Amen. Some of you, <clears throat> you could have been uh, maimed and disabled. Some of you, maybe even in your mind, things would not be working well. But by God's grace, you're still here. Amen. Some of you have gone even through a lot. But you're still here. Amen. That just says His grace is sufficient for us. Amen. <clears throat> Sometimes I try to think about where I grew up. I grew up in rural areas and <clears throat> in those days we used to be very much afraid of uh, <clears throat> wizards. We used to be very much afraid of what you people call lightning. We used to call it Ndazi. We believed that it came from people and they would come and do whatever they can do to you. And we would even be afraid of people who are involved in ritual murders, many things. <clears throat> and now when I reflect back and I realize through that all, the Lord has kept us. Amen. There were times sometimes when you would be sleeping and you hear as if there are things around your house at night and you couldn't sleep well. And at that time I didn't know how to fight. I would just be scared and... And sometimes they used to tell us, if you ever say anything, the voice will be gone. Then you just can't sleep. Now when I reflect back and think, even before I was able to fight for myself against the forces of darkness, the Lord's grace has been sufficient for me. Amen? I believe I'm not the only one who probably know where I come from. And most of you, you also know where you come from. And you know what the Lord has done for you. The Bible in the book of Psalms 18.34, it says, He trains my hands for battle. But before I could fight for myself, still the Lord protected me and preserved me. Some of you, you are here today, you don't even know how to stand in faith and trust God for something. But His grace still comes through for you. I like what the psalmist says in the book of Psalms 116, verse 12, Amplified Classic. Amplified Classic, Mr. MJ, Psalms 116, verse 12. And I think if we don't always reflect at what God has done for us, sometimes we'll take for granted things that God has done for us. Do you know that all of us here this day, there's something that God has done for you? Even something that money cannot buy. The fact that you are alive today is a testimony on its own. There are a lot of people, either of your age or even younger than you, who are already departed, but you're still here. Tell your neighbor you are living, you are you are uh, sitting next to a living testimony. 
Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, if I were to tell you where I've come through and the things that I've gone through, you won't believe me. But I'm still here. Amen. So what can I really render to the Lord for all the things that he's done for me? Mr. MJ, Psalms 116 verse 12, Amplified Classic. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? How can I repay him for all his bountiful dealings? Okay. So he says, what shall I render to the Lord for all the things that he has done for me? How can I repay him? In other words, it's somebody who is reflecting back and sees that the Lord has just been so good to me. Now, what I've noticed is that even in our Christian work, there are some people who are not serious with the things of God because they don't acknowledge what God has done for them. You would find somebody even misses church for any other reason because they don't appreciate what God has done for them and they also do not take into cognizance the fact that we still have the devil around. If you don't come for training, if you don't get equipped, the enemy is merciless. The Bible says he was thrown out of heaven, was thrown unto the earth, and the Bible says in the book of Revelations, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has been thrown down to you and is in great fury. If you look at the many things that are happening around us, you see that we are living in a cruel world. But the Lord has been so good to us. Amen. So when he says, what shall I render unto Jehovah, unto the Lord for all his bountiful things that he has done for you, for me? I believe each one of us, we can say the same thing. Lord, you've been just so good to me. What can I do for you? I said, even the fact that you are still alive today is a testimony on its own. The fact that you can walk on your two feet is a testimony on its own. Amen. As you are trusting God for a car, some of you are crying as if, I don't even have anything to eat, I don't have a car. But you've got your two feet to walk with. If you see people who can't even walk on their own, who have to be wheeled, some can't even use even their hands. You can't use neither your legs nor your hands. But you are here. And you don't acknowledge and appreciate what God has done for you. Most of the things that God has done for us, is not things that money can buy. You know that sometimes when we need to give in the house of the Lord and we're very stingy, it's as if our money can buy anything. There's a lot of things that money cannot buy. Tell your neighbor, there are so many things that money cannot buy. Only the grace of God can give you such. So when I say, what shall I render unto Jehovah for the things he has done for me? I went through scriptures and I've seen several people who did not forget what God has done for them. And I want us, as we continue with what we started last week about you cannot serve two masters. Today we can say you cannot serve God and money. Just look at some people who actually acknowledged that. And through the scriptures, you will see how much full the Bible is of the word money. Okay, so it's because there's a lot of things that we do with money, isn't it? Mm, a lot. And also in our own lives, there are times sometimes where if we don't know how to use money, we get into trouble, we get into wrong dealings, 
Sometimes you even have to be chased and you might either be arrested or killed. So if you go with me to the book of Luke chapter 7, verse 40 to 47 in the Amplified Classic, I want us to look at this woman. There was a certain woman who so much appreciated what Jesus had done for her that she didn't mind what other people are doing. She wanted to do something for Jesus. Amen. I think about two weeks ago, Pastor Josephine was teaching us about learning to appreciate one another. But with this, I want us also to learn to appreciate what God has done for us. What God is keeping on doing for us. So this woman, <coughs> look at it. Luke chapter 7, verse 40 to 47, Amplified Classic, Mr. MJ. Let's, let's hear about this woman who probably people were looking down upon her, but she knew who the master was and she wanted to appreciate him. She didn't mind if other people are not doing anything for him. She wanted to do something for him. So I think that question, what shall I render to Jehovah, it doesn't need you to be rich to do anything for God. We've got our hands to serve God with. We've got our commitment to be committed to the Lord, to love God, to pray, to love people, even to give whatever you have, anything that you can do for God, to say, Lord, I thank you. Look at this woman. <clears throat> and Jesus, replying, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Teacher, say it. A certain lender of money at interest had two debtors. So a certain lender of money at interest. So this one sounds like, I know it's probably usually the banks that lend money, but you know what much one is? Because this one is not the bank. It says a certain lender of money at two debtors. So at, uh, and, and lender of money at interest. So let's say it's much on ease. Continue. <clears throat> one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And it seems with Womachonise, that 500, hey, it passes one month, it's another money, and the other month, it's another money. Interests are very high, but let's hear this. When they had no means of paying, he freely forgave them both. Hey, I like if we could have the Machonisas like that in the days we are living in, <laughs> things would be better. <laughs> so it says... When they had no money to pay him, he freely forgave them both. And then, Jesus, where are you taking us to? Uh, now, which of them would love him more? Which one would love him more? The one who was forgiven 500 or the one who was forgiven 50? 500. It makes sense, isn't it? Yeah. So that's our answer. We're saying 500. So let's hear the other one, the, the man answering. <coughs> Simon answered, the one, I take it, for whom he forgave and cancelled more. Yes. Mm. And Jesus said to him, you have decided correctly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obvious. Mm. So if, if you know that God has done so much for me, you would want to do as much as you can. So he says this lender, when he forgave them, the one who was forgiven much wanted to love more. Continue. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? When I came into your house, you gave me no water for my feet, mm. but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Amen. 
Amen. Mm-hmm. You gave me no kiss, mm-hmm. but she, from the moment I came in, has not ceased intermittently to kiss my feet tenderly and kissing me. Caressingly. Caressingly, mm-hmm. sorry. <clears throat> you did not anoint my head with cheap ordinary oil, mm. but she has anointed my feet with costly rare perfume. Why? Therefore, I tell you, <coughs> her sins, many as they are, are forgiven her because she had loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Amen. So next time you see somebody being not serious with the things of God, you know, they probably don't value what God has done for them. And when you are so serious about the things of God and you love God with all your heart, you are appreciating and acknowledging how great his grace has been to you. Like I said, when I started here, when I reflect, I just realize I cannot turn back from this God. He's been so good to me. And now that I understand him and I know that it's by his grace that I'm where I am today, I cannot depart from his ways. So here it says, that woman, she did all those things because she acknowledged what Jesus had done for her. Let's look at another one in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3 in the King James Version. This one now is a serious one. I gave you an example that actually when we, we grew up, if you were either a bit intelligent or if you were about to be rich, there were people who could even make your mind not work well. Okay? And I think they may still be there these days. It's just that now we know how to fight. Amen. 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 We know how to defend ourselves by the word of God, by the power of God. And we know that we can say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So whoever, whatever power that the people who want to come against you are using, it's less than the power of the God who's on your side. Now look at this example in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the dead the tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. I want you to look at that. It says certain women who had been healed of what? Evil spirits and infirmities. And it says Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven devils came out. So she was demon-possessed. It means she was not... In her mind, things were not going well. And Jesus healed her. The other women also, it says, these certain women, they were healed. Do you know that even if you have things, you have so many things, if mentally things are not going well, you can't enjoy the things that you have. Continue. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. I want you to link the ministering unto him of their substance and what the Lord had done for them. Do you think they were comparable? In other words, for these women, do you think it was any big deal to give to the Lord? 
It wasn't. Because they reflected to say, he has done so much for us. We wouldn't be here where we are today. We wouldn't even be able to count the money that we have. But he's healed us. He's kept us safe. He has protected us. He gives us peace. Amen. He's everything that I need. What shall I render to Jehovah? So it's because sometimes if you don't always acknowledge what God has done for you, your heart would be in the wrong place. We'll find you busy with many things and worried about many things, trying to do that, trying to do that. But if your heart is in the kingdom, if you know what God has done for you, your heart should always be in the things of God. I gave you one example the other time I said sometimes when people are still in the world, they use their money for anything worldly. But now when you come to the Lord and maybe you are about to give your tithe and somebody says, ah, such money to church. But when you use such money for alcohol, they don't say, ah, such money for alcohol. Amen. Amen. Even when you use such money, some of those monies to pay the inyangas. They don't say, ah, such money for an inyanga. It's only when you want to do something for the Lord that people would question you. It means the devil knows that if you use what you have for him, he doesn't mind. The moment you want to use it for the Lord, you are now aligning yourself with the Most High God. You are partnering with God. You say, God is on my side. So my heart will always long for the things of God. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Verse 19 to 21 in the New Living Translation, NLT. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. I will read it. It says, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on the earth where moth and eat and them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So the reason why you always find me thinking about the kingdom is because that's where my treasure is. The reason why you find me always thinking about Jesus is because that's where my treasure is. The reason why you want me, you see me sold out for the gospel is because that's where my treasure is. You are committed to something. You are a slave of something. Any, all of us here, we are slaves to something. You can either be a slave of sin and the devil, or you can be a slave of righteousness and a slave of God. Amen? So a person who is a slave, it's like people who are addicted. When you are addicted to something, you don't have control. That thing controls you. And I like the Bible talks about the house of Stephanas. It says they were addicted to the ministry of the saints. For them, it was all about the gospel. And now, sometimes you will find that there are people who actually think that, who are, who are addicted to money. Everything is about money. Everything is money, money, money. Okay? But it's supposed to be Jesus above everything. My heart has to be consumed 
by his kingdom. The good thing with the kingdom of God is that in Matthew 6, 33, he says, the people of this world, 32 says, the pagans, the people of this world are chasing after things. Verse 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. So for us, as we desire God, as we follow God, things follow us. Amen. Amen. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Deuteronomy 28 says, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you as you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Amen. So it means if my heart is in the right place, things will follow me. Amen. But sometimes people's hearts are following things. People are chasing things. People are chasing money. People are chasing that. People are chasing that. That's not the right way to do it. Chase after God and things will chase after you. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 to 10 NIV. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 7 to 10 NIV. I want to show you something. We started last week talking about you cannot serve two masters. And the easiest master these days who's mastering people is money. Mm. Where you find that even people, not only people who are still in the world, even people who say they love God, they are controlled by money. And we need to look at the Bible and say, Father, what do you say about this? What do you say? Do you think, okay, I like what, what John says. John says there are so many things that Jesus did which are not written in, the, in this book. If they were written, the volumes of book would not contain them. But anything that's written here is so that we may believe. So whatever I'm going to share with you, it means God saw it necessary that we need to know about this. Because if it wasn't important, then it shouldn't be written. So look at this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 7 to 10 NIV. For we brought nothing into the world, mm -hmm. and we can take nothing out of it. Amen. So that's a fact, isn't it? It's a fact. We brought nothing. Any of you who came with cars and houses and... You actually came without even clothes. Tell your neighbor, you came even without clothes. <laughs> so, so obviously, he says here, we brought nothing into the world. And therefore, we take nothing. At least the decency we'll do will give you clothes when you go in the grave. That's the only thing we can let accompany you. But not your money. Mm -mm. Your bank accounts, we can't let you go with your money. We want that money here. We can't let you go with your cars. We can't let you go with your houses. It says we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. That's a fact. Continue. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Have you noticed that when people want to get rich, they fall into a lot of temptations and traps. And it says into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Mm-hmm. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Okay. So this one is just a correction for those of you who says money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. We need it to buy things that we buy. Mm. But the love of money mm. 
is the root of all evil. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? So next time when somebody says, no, you know the Bible says money is the root of all evil. Tell them you didn't read the Bible. And actually the person who says money is the root of all evil, they want to keep some of the root of all evil. So you must tell him, bring all of that evil to me. Now you will see it's not the root of all evil. I want to keep some. The love of money is the root of all evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That's the thing. So there's nothing wrong with money, but there's something wrong with craving for money and desire for money, desire for things. It's all, you end up worshipping money instead of worshipping Jesus. So at night, instead of you meditating and thinking about Jesus and how great the Lord is, you're thinking about money. Okay, let's go to verse 17 to 19 in that very same 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because some of you think that it's wrong to have money. It's not wrong to have money. It's actually good to have money. Tell your neighbor it's good to have money. Tell them it's only wrong if money has you. You must have money. Let not money have you. Because when money has you, it masters you. You become its slave. So now let's look at what Paul uh, admonishes Timothy in verse 17 to 19 of that very same 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Okay, so if I have to command those who are rich in this world, where will I command them? They should be in church. <laughs> because the ones out there, I can't talk to them. So even Timothy here, he's told Command those that are rich in this world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in riches. Mm -hmm. Which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God. Amen. Now you can see he's contrasting wealth and God. So that's why you need to serve God and not wealth. Uh -huh. who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. At least I like this part. Mm. I like it that he didn't say, I know in this world you actually don't need money, you must go hungry. Money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. But he says, trust in God who provides, who richly provides us with everything for what? So tell your neighbor, God wants you to enjoy. Amen. Yes, I serve a God who wants me to enjoy. But I've got to get my priorities right. The problem is that if you don't get your priorities right, you will fall into the trap of loving money. And then you will be controlled by money. Mm -hmm. Now, if he has given us the things for our enjoyment, what does it say also? Verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Oh, I'm commanding you not to put your trust in your riches, not to put trust in money, but to trust in God. I'm commanding you to do good. 
I'm commanding you to be rich in good works. I'm commanding you to be generous and willing to share. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves, for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Okay. So he says when we do that, when we invest in the kingdom of God, we are actually laying up ourselves for ourselves treasures in heavens. So it's where I say when my heart is in the things of God, when I give to the kingdom of God, when I do something for God, whether it's giving, whether it's praying, whether it's loving, whatever I invest in the kingdom, I'm investing in the place where my heart is and it's investing, laying up my treasures in heaven. So actually, do you know that the things that we do for the kingdom of God, even in the life to come, those things will be your reward. But what you do for this world, you leave it. You saw the verse that says we brought nothing, we'll go out with nothing? Yeah. So now, sometimes people want to be used by God and they want to grow in God. And, that, and the thing that is hampering you, sometimes it's your substance, it's the things that you have, which you are now idolizing like God. God should be number one in our lives. Jesus should be number one. You know when we grew up, we used to, we used to say, Jesus, Jesus, Sas is number one. Sas is number one. No matter what the people say, Jesus is number one. Now some of you are saying, money, money. Money is number one. No. It should be Sas is number one. We didn't even know. <laughs> so Jesus, Jesus, Sas is number one. Amen. We loved him. Amen. Now, look at this. In Luke chapter 16, verse 11 to 13, in the voice translation. Because if you can manage simple, a simple thing like money, how can God trust you with greater things. There are many things where God wants to take, many places where God wants to take you to. But you can be tested with a simple thing like money. Can I give you just an example? How many of you know the story of a rich young ruler? The guy who came to Jesus and says, good, ma good, good master, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Amen. Just wave your hand if you know the story. Okay. Now, Jesus looked at him and says, Do all the commandments. He says, no, I've done all of them since I was a young man. What else do I need to do? I've graduated. The Bible says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Then he's, he realized, hey, this guy, he's still attached to things. He's still attached to things. So it will be difficult for him to be attached to me when he's attached to things. He said, go and sell everything you have, give it away to the poor, and come and follow me. The Bible says, that young man was hurt, he was sad, and he went away sorrowful. And he did not follow Jesus. Because now, he was made to choose, do you want to follow your wealth, or do you want to follow Jesus? And it was difficult for him now to quit and leave his wealth and follow Jesus. So that's why I said the good thing with us who follow Jesus, who seek first the kingdom of God, is that in any way, wealth and riches will still follow us as we follow God. Yeah, so that's the right formula. 
instead of following things, and then you wander away from faith, and you miss Jesus. Look at that. Luke chapter 16, verse 11 to 13, the voice translation. If you can't even handle a small thing like money, who is going to entrust with spiritual riches that really matter? How? So the Bible is talking about money. Mm. It says, if you can't even handle... So the Bible doesn't think money is a big deal. Tell your neighbor, the Bible doesn't think money is a big deal. There are many other things that are much, much more important. It says, if you can't even handle a small thing like money, who is going to entrust you with spiritual riches that really matter? Hmm? You want to be promoted, you want God to use you mightily, but you can't even handle a simple thing like money. Continue. If you don't manage well someone else's assets that are entrusted to you, who's going to give over to you important spiritual and personal relationships to manage? Mm -hmm. Imagine you are a servant and you have two masters giving you orders. How? Okay, so let's all imagine. He says imagine, so let's imagine, let's pause. You know the Bible, usually when you read, sometimes you will see the word seller, especially in Psalms. When it says seller, it says pause and think. So here I'm putting seller. The Bible didn't put seller. I didn't see seller in the New Testament. Maybe it's because it was, I usually see it in Psalms. It will, when you're reading, you saw the word seller, isn't it? It means pause and think. So now, it says imagine, you are a servant, and you have two masters giving you orders. Seller. Okay? What are you going to do when they have conflicting demands? What are you going to do when they have conflicting demands? Hmm? The Lord wants you to do this and money wants you to do that. What are you going to do? Continue. You can't serve both. So you'll either hate the first and love the second or you'll faithfully say, serve the first and despise the second. One master is God and the other is money. You can't serve them both. Hey, repeat that. Mm. I know Mr. MJ, you like repeating things. <laughs> repeat that one. One master is? One master is God and the other is money. You can't serve them both. Amen. And you say, Jesus, you are mistaken. I can serve both. You can't serve them both. Because when they have conflicting demands, you will have to align to one and despise the other. Amen. So rather than saving money, we should save God with all our hearts. The Bible says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So in other words, I'm fully committed to God and I love him with everything I have. I love him with all my heart. Because I know what he has done for me. And I also know where he is taking me to. I know what he keeps on doing for me. I know what I'm trusting God for. 
So that's why I'm saying sometimes when we are in the house of the Lord, sometimes you see some people not even being serious to come to church. Don't copy them. They don't know what God has done for them. Or they are not appreciating what God has done for them. You know what God has done for you. That's why even when we die, we die as individuals. So it means when you serve God, don't be influenced by the people who seem not to know what God has done for them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Be passionate about this God. Amen. Amen. So that then we know that you can't serve both masters. And the easy way to serve money, sometimes it's when you forget who has brought you where you are today. I told you the other time that some of you, when you are still looking for a job, your prayers are very long. And your commitment to the Lord is in, uh, uh, invaluable and enviable. But once you get what you're looking for, even for you young ones, when you're still looking for marriage and that right person, when there are prayers, you're really praying and fasting. And once you get that, now you've forgotten. I, there is some, somebody that I, I admire, Hannah, in the Bible. When she was still looking for a baby, she sought God with all her heart. And she said, if you can give me a male child, a son, I'll give that son to you. And when she got the son, she did not keep the son. She took the son back to the temple and she said to Eli, I'm the woman who was here the other time asking for a child. This is that child. I'm committing this child to the house of the Lord the rest of his life. And Samuel from that day stayed with Eli. Amen. 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 We want people like that. People who know. There was a time when I was asking God for this. Now God has given me. Let me fulfill my vows. Amen. Amen. Look at this. So the children of Israel, we going to Deuteronomy chapter 8. The children of Israel, unfortunately they were like some of the people in the days we're living in. They would only be close to God when they have a need. They would only be close to God when they are in trouble. But when things go well with them, they would forget about God. And that's why if you read the... Bible, you read through your Bible and you look at the history of the Bible, you will find that the Israelites more often than not, they would be taken into captivity. Even though they had God. So in other words, when things are well with them, they would forget about God. And God would say, how do I get these people back to me? And then it seems the only way they can listen is when they are in trouble. So their enemies would come and God would not defend the, the Israelites. He would let them go and be taken captive. And when they are taken captive, now they think about God. Now they are committed to God. Do you want to live like that? Do you want to first be in trouble and then pray? Do you want to first be sick and then now you, you are a prayer warrior because you've got a chronic illness? That's not the way to serve God. Amen. Amen. Serve the Lord your God. So the other time I was saying, <laughs> said to people, poverty has lost my address. And I'm not going to renew it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, and I can only say that if I'm going to continue to love the Lord my God with all my heart, and I'm not going to open a door for the enemy to destroy 
whatever I have. Amen? So that's why if you know where you are going, if you know where God has taken you from, and you know what God has done for you, and you know where you are going, you will serve the Lord your God with all your heart. You will be passionate about him and not be discouraged about what other people around you are doing. You don't know their experiences. You know what God has done for you. Amen? So be passionate about him. Look at the Israelites. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7, 7 to 8 in NIV. Now, I equate the journey of the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt to Canaan with the journey of a Christian from the slavery of bondage in sin to the life of living for God. Okay? Now look at the Israelites. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 to 18, NIV. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. I like, I like this God. You know God's intention. The Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans not to harm you. Plans to give you a good and an expected future. That's what God is yearning to do for you. That's what God is yearning to do for us as his children. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have this good and an expected future. But we've got to love him first. We've got to seek his kingdom first. Then we will have our priorities right. So he says, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. I like it. Mm -hmm. A land with brooks, streams, and springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig tree, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. Hmm. Continue. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Hey, A land don't, you, don't you like that land? A good land. A land where everything is plentiful. Mm. A land where I lack nothing. Mm. Uh -huh. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Mm. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. I like this. It says when you have eaten and are satisfied. It doesn't say... You must stay hungry and then you will be able to praise God. Because if you don't stay hungry, then you won't praise God. Mm. It says when you have eaten and are full, mm. praise God for what he has done for you. Mm. Acknowledge, appreciate what God is doing for you. Mm. When you are healthy, I told you the other time, I said for me, I've decided I will thank God for divine health every day of my life. Mm. Because I don't take it for granted that I'm healed. I walk in divine health. You don't have to wait to be sick to confess healing over your body. You've got to say, Lord, I thank you that by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, I'm healed. I walk in divine health. I'm not forgetting what God has done for me. I don't have to be reminded by sickness to serve God. I say, Lord, I thank you for your mighty protection, for you have given your angels charge over me. You protect me, you cover me under the blood of Jesus. I don't have to first be involved in an accident and the car is beyond repair for me to see the hand of God. Amen. Amen. In other words, I know that God has given his angels charge over me and I have to keep on saying it. Amen. Keep speaking what God is doing for you. Amen. So it says, when you have eaten and are full, Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Continue. 
Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. You see, that's, that's the only warning. When things are going well with you, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Usually people, when, when things are going well with people, the temptation is to forget the Lord as if you have made it on your own. Read further. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down... I like, I like eating and being satisfied. I like also building good houses and God doesn't say I must not have a house. I like it. But he tells me how to enjoy that. He tells me how to involve him in what I have so that I can enjoy it and also still use that to be a blessing in his kingdom. When your heads and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied. Hey, don't you like it when your silver and your gold is multiplied? Mm. Not added, multiplied. Mm -hmm. Then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God. That's the problem with most people and the Israelites were always in this trap. Continue. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Mm. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. Mm. He brought you. He brought you water out of, out of hard rock. You see, now he's making them to reflect back at all the things that he has done for them. Mm. Continue. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, mm. to humble and test you, so that in the end it might. Go well with you. That in the end it might go well with hey, you. Hey, I like this God. Mm. He wants my ending to be good. Yeah. Continue. You may say to yourself, mm. Now this is the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm. My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Yes. Um. You see, I, I just studied. Eh? Mm. It's my education All nice. that brought me where I am. It's my three degrees. Continue. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant, which He saw to your ancestors as it is today. It is God who gives us ability to get wealth. It is God who gives us ability to have anything that we have. Are you bold enough to tell your neighbor all that I have? I owe it all to God. Amen. It's not about my wisdom. Okay? It's not even about my ingenuity. Okay? It's all by his grace. To find myself where I am now. Because by the way, if you want to see that it's all by grace. Do you know, have you? There was this program on TV. They had it all. And they show you people who had everything and now they have nothing. Which shows that if you think what you have is because of your own strength, you will be a guest in that TV program one day. Okay? So if you want to make sure that indeed poverty has completely lost your address, that indeed you walk in divine, that things will go well with you as God has designed, stick close to him. 
Stay connected to the source. Stay connected to the source more than a blessing. You know there are people who chase a blessing instead of chasing the one who blesses. Because if I chase after the one who blesses, I will always have blessings. But if you chase after this one blessing, you might, it might lose you, you might lose it along the way and now you have nothing. But if I've got Jesus, I've got everything. I've got protection. I've got divine health. I've got peace. There are times sometimes, some of you think that if I could just get 10 million, maybe even in the lottery, if I can get 10 million, all my problems would be solved. All my problems. Really? Have you heard about many people who have committed suicide who had a lot of money? So if money then is the solution, why would people kill themselves when they have a lot of money? Still. Jesus says, be careful of covetousness and greed. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things one has. My life is much more important than the things I have. Amen. So if God has been so good to us, some of you, you've got cars. You see, if we just get out of here and look, if you look at the yard here, then you look and see. All blessings of God that maketh rich and he has no sorrow with it. So if he can bless me with all these things, some of us, you move from here, we go to your houses, we come and see your houses, and we look, it's a house of one person, and you think, one person, one family, one family, we thought this was a, 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 a hotel. It's one person. Which means the Lord has been so good to us. Amen. So if he's been so good to us, if we say, what shall I render to Jehovah and we want to build the house of the Lord, do you think we can fail to build the house of God? No ways. Because even as individuals, we are able to build something for ourselves. Now look at it with me in the book of Second Chronicles. Chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Amplified Classic. Because you've got to take a resolution to make a resolve in your heart. Okay, this month is June. Okay, youth, <laughs> I like the resolve that Daniel had made. The Bible says Daniel had resolved in his heart. He, he, he took a stance. That's what you must do. Okay? That's what we must do is to resolve and be committed to something. And say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be committed to this. Because I know what God has done for me. And I also know where I'm going to. Some of you, you are not serious with the things of God because you don't have a vision. Okay? But if you know you're going somewhere, you know you will need God to get there. You know you cannot get there on your own strength. That's why you will stay close to him. You even know that what you have today, a bit of money that you have, is not sufficient to take you to your destiny. So I can use it as a seed. Because I want it multiplied. Second Chronicles 2, 4 and 5 AMPC. He says, Behold, I'm about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. Can we all <laughs> say it with him? Behold, Behold, I'm about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. Hey, yes. And I told you before that 
we're not going to build the Lord's house by going to beg money from people. If anybody is touched out there to give, let them give. But we're not going to ask them for money. We are going to build the house of the Lord our God. Because he has blessed us so much. Amen. We are blessed to be a blessing. And as we plant our seed, he keeps on multiplying our seed sown and increase the fruit of our righteousness. I think I've told some of you that I started learning to tithe the year I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. More than 30 years ago when I was still, I think I was in high school, first year. No, I think it was high school, metric or something. And then, that time, I also started knowing the principles of giving. And I saw that it works. And I saw that my heart, when I love God with all my heart, when I'm fully committed to him, everything he tells me to do is for my advantage. I've never stopped tithing since then and I'm not getting poorer. Amen? Amen. So those of you who think that giving God will make you poorer, that's the devil whispering to you. Continue reading it. Okay, let me read it myself. So let's read verse 5. The house which I'm about to build, it's mediocre. I want you to look at it in your Bible. The house which I'm about to build is great. Why? For our God is greater than all gods. Amen. Amen. So when I do something for God, you know there is this thing where people say, it's good enough for God. No. If it's not good enough for you, it cannot be good enough for God. Amen? Amen. If it's not good enough for you, it cannot be good enough for God. You've got to do your best. And God knows what is your best. And the good thing with God is that we do our best. He comes in and multiplies what we have done. It's like the, the four lepers that were at the gate. They said, why sit we here until we die? If we stay here, we'll die of hunger. If we, go, we, if we go into the city, there is hunger there. But if we go out into the enemy's camp, there are two possibilities. They can kill us. If they kill us, we shall but die. But if they spare us alive, we shall live. So some of you, you are staying in your position. You need to be like those lepers and say, why stay here until I die? My things have got to change. My situation has got to change. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to step out in faith and trust God. Because if you sit there, you'll die there. Okay? And it says, as they started moving to the enemy's camp, four lepers, the Lord made their steps to sound like chariots and horses and many armies. He multiplied their steps and the enemies started running away for their lives. They said the king of Israel has hired many other kings to come against us. Let's run for our lives. So the Lord had to have something to multiply. So if God has got to multiply something, will he find you having something? Amen. Amen. So look at this. Because he says, the house which I'm about to build is a great God for our God is great. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 to 8 NIV. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Zedak, Zedak, 
the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to build, to rebuild the Lord's house. So usually we want to have our own houses, but we don't think about God's house. It says, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? He was challenging them. He says, you are already blessed. You've got things going well with you. I also want a house. And by the way, the house that God wants is not for God to dwell in. Because there where we read it says, it's a place where we'll bring our sacrifice, our worship. So it's us. Actually, we say we're building it for God, but we're also building it for ourselves. Amen. Amen. Then it says, now, verse 5. This is what the Lord Almighty say. Be careful, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, have harvested little, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I told you, some of you have been working for years. All you have now is debt. You've got nothing to show for all the labor that you've been busy with for all the years. So he says you earn wages only to put them into a purse with holes. So you don't know where it's going to. Because the devourer is eating it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring down timber and build my house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So he is encouraging us to give in his kingdom. And it should not be a hard thing to give for, to God if we know what he has done for us. And also if we know where he still needs to take us to. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 29, 2-6, New King James Version. First Chronicles 29, 2-6, it says, Now, for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might. You know, I told you that you shouldn't be mediocre when you want to do something for God. You don't say it's good enough for God. If it's not good enough for you, it will not be good enough for God. So he says, for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistering stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection, you see where your heart is? Eh? We read a scripture that says where my heart is, where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. So he says, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. My own special treasure of gold and silver. And he started mentioning the amounts that he was giving. Now in verse 5, the end of verse 5, it says, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? So he's saying, I'm determined to do what I need to do for God. Who is willing to also join in? I always used to say to you that I love the hearts of Sunday school children. Love their song. Sunday school, I love your song. Building up the temple. Building up the temple. The temple of the Lord. Sunday school, building up the temple. Building up the temple. 
building up the temple of the Lord. Say, fathers, come and join us. Fathers, why don't you join us? Imagine being called by Sunday school to build out the, the temple of the Lord. Mothers, let's say, mothers, come and join us. Sunday school, mothers, come and join us. Join us. Building up the temple of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I believe each one of us has got a role to play. From Sunday school to the rest of us, even to me as your pastor. We are going to do this for the Lord our God. But the good thing is that when we do it for God, we also benefit out of it. So we, we do it for God, but it's also helping us. Okay? It's good to be here temporarily. Okay? In a tent. But we want to be in a place where you can have an aircon. Yeah. When, when it's hot, you feel like it's, it's just cool. When it's cold, you feel like it's warm. Yeah. And we are well able. With our God, we are like Joshua and Caleb. Who says we are well able? Amen. We are well able. And what God is expecting from us is not what you do not have. Amen. It's about what you have. You can even trust God for a seed. So verse 6 says, Then the leaders of the father's families, leaders of the tribes of Israel, and captains of thousands and of hundreds, with officers over the king's work, offered willingly. So, Mr. Paziri, I like this one because the generals are also supposed to lead by example. Amen? Amen. Yeah. It says leaders and this and this. And, and let's do it. Okay? Now, if you look at it in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 9, because I'm starting to... We, we have begun our descent now. Okay? We're not landing yet, but we've begun our descent. Second Corinthians chapter 9, 7 and 8 in the Amplified Classic. When you are going to give, or anything that you are going to do for God, not only giving money, but even, let's say you're going, you want to commit yourself to prayer, you want to go, commit yourself to going to church, you want to commit yourself to this, you've got to take that resolution and decide in your heart this is what I want to do for my God and I'm committed to it I'm not going to be discouraged by other people because I know what God has done for me Amen. So for those of you who don't understand, that song says, I know where I'm coming from. I know where I'm going. The Lord goes with me. Amen. Amen. So don't be discouraged by those who don't know where they are coming from. Those who don't know where they are going. That's why they have got no purpose. But you know. So look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 7 and 8 Amplified Classic, it says, Let each one give as he has made up his mind and purposed in his heart. So you make up your mind and purpose in your heart. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves 
He takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt, do-it giver, whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. So in other words, as I fully commit to him and I give wholeheartedly, he knows how to make all grace, all things come back to me in abundance, so that you may always, under all circumstances and whatever they need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support. Okay? So, I said what God is expecting you to give. It's not what you don't have. Amen? But then, if it's what you don't have, you mustn't go and borrow money to give to church. I'm telling you that. Don't make a loan to give. No matter how excited you feel about the things of God, don't do that. Trust God for a seed. Trust him for a seed. Look at it with me in the book of 2 Corinthians. We're reading 9 now. 10 and 11, good news. It says, And God, who supplies seed for the sower and bread to eat, will also supply you with all the seed you need. So instead of you always going to God for what you need, sometimes go to God trusting him for a seed. Lord, I hear that the pastor is encouraging us, we're going to build your house. Trusting you for a seed. I'm believing you for a seed. Because it says he supplies seed and bread. Seed is for sowing and bread is for eating. And other people do what? Eat the seed. Doesn't work that way. Because when God has given you something, there is a seed and bread. Bread is for you to eat. Seed is for you to sow. Okay? So it says... He will also supply with you, you with all the seed you need and make it grow and produce a rich harvest for your generosity. He will always make you rich enough. R-I-C-H. Rich. To be generous at all times. So that many will thank God for your gifts which you have, they have received from us. So it means, when I give to God, I will not take like anything is too much to give to God. Because I'm only giving him from what he gave me first. The other time I told you, sometimes I say to my wife when we're giving the tithe, look at the tithe and think, this looks like a lot of money. But then I quickly realize, oh, by the way, we're given ten times this. Because your tithe is in proportion to what he gave you. Amen. So if you think that tithe is too much, it's just that your salary is too much. The tithe is never too much because that is a proportion of what the Lord has blessed you with. Now look at how God views that in Malachi chapter 3, 8 to 12. We are preparing to learn. To land. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So it means it's possible to rob God. And when I read this, I read it in two ways. I read it that when you rob God, you are denying him of what is rightfully his. I'm also seeing that you are denying him to multiply a seed for you. 
you are denying him an opportunity to bless you. So it says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. So he says, try me and see. If I will not open to you windows of heaven and pour you out such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. I want to have surplus. Elder Malika usually likes talking of in, in accounting terms, surplus. It means more than what I need, there is something remaining. So that even at the end of the month, there is still something remaining. Not that, and you need to even forget when is month end. You need to be so blessed that you don't have to wait for month end. Amen. Amen. You're, so, you're so blessed that when month end comes, there's already still, there's still something from the previous month. Amen. Amen. You've got no room enough to contain it. It says, And I will rebuke, I like this part also, the devourer for your sakes. I told you that the enemy wants to devour what you have. Something that you think you worked so hard for. There is the devil out there who wants to devour it. So it says, as I partner with God and I'm faithful with my tithe and offerings, he will rebuke the devourer for my sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, I like verse 12. And all the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I call myself blessed and highly favored, but I also want people to call me blessed. When they see what God is doing for me, and when they ask, why are things going so well with you? I say, I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the things are just getting added. Things are just getting added because my heart is in the right place. Okay? So it means if I do something for God, things are added because my heart is just doing this for God. And it's not about me. So I told you when I began here that there's so much God has done for us. Some of us, we shouldn't be here by now. Even the challenges that you're facing. Some of you should have committed suicide by now. But you're still here. Amen. That just says, the Lord has been so gracious to me. Amen. So what shall I render to Jehovah? I want to, I want to go and visit my heart and check with my heart. Lord, what do you want me? What is my portion in this kingdom of God? As we are here, I know that you say I need to give my tithe. I'm going to be faithful in that. But I also know that we are going to build the house of the Lord. What do you want me to do? I am trusting you for a particular seed. Amen. So I want us to take these few minutes to go before the Lord and pray. Okay? We did this last week, but I want us to do it again this week. Because this is a serious thing. When, 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 when in the book of Timothy it says, we came with nothing in this world and also will go with nothing. I think that's just an eye-opener. To say that are our hearts in the right place is my desire. What keeps me up at night? Is it money or is it God? Amen. Because even when you have debts, even when you have things that you need, 
Can you seek first his kingdom? Can you cast all your care upon him? And he cares for you. You go to God. Instead of being a beggar, go to God and trust God. And you will have a testimony when God touches somebody and they come and bless you exactly with what you needed without you having to have gone to ask them. You asked your God. Amen. By the way, trusting in God and asking things from God makes you free. Because if you're going to keep on asking things from people, you are going to be their slaves. Okay? You need to learn to trust God. You need to learn to depend upon God. So that you can say, through it all. Through it all. As we do that song, I want you to stand up and I want us to look at these three things. Okay? sing that song and then we are going to pray. One, you are going to just do a self-introspection. How much do I love God? Has my focus been shifted from God and I was now starting to love things more than God? Or was God always my number one and he remains my number one? Is God also part of my budget? Because if I say I love God with all my heart and I look at my bank statement, does it reflect where my treasure is? Does it reflect where my heart is? If not, repent. And say, Lord, forgive me. I want to prioritize you. I don't want to serve you just with my mouth. I want to serve you even with my deeds. And I'm no more going to serve money. I want to serve you with all my heart. And then, as you're praying, you also pray and say, Lord, guide me. I'm trusting you for a seed. I hear the pastor saying, we're going to build his house, the house of the Lord. I want to be part of that. Lord, I'm trusting you for a seed. Lay something in my heart that I can trust you for. A seed that I can trust you for toward the building of your house. And this time, instead of me trusting God for my need, I'm trusting God for a seed. And when you have a seed, the seed will multiply and be multiplied back to you and meet your needs. So let's do through it all as we stand up. And I want us to take a moment, about five minutes, just pray. Ask God where you feel that my focus has been shifted from God. I've been absorbed by many things. My focus has always been on my problems. Instead of me casting my cares upon the Lord because he cares for me. I was always thinking about my problems, but Father, forgive me. I want to cast all my cares unto you because you care for me.